Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and every Sunday is Psalm Sunday. I'll be reading one or two psalms and explaining how they point to Jesus Christ and the good news of his true salvation and or Bible prophecy. I'll also show you how to pray the psalms. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. As you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in the hope, joy, and peace that only the living God, Jesus Christ, can give. Be blessed. Psalm 31. Because of the cross, we never need to feel shame. You'd think that once King David was ruling all of Israel that he, would, he wouldn't feel shame, but he did. It's enough for him to unload his feelings to God in this psalm. It's really easy for us to feel ashamed of our past sins, even the ones you've tried to bury. Somehow, with the help of Satan, those bad, shameful deeds rise from the depths of our memories. That's when you need to trust your life to Jesus. Incidentally, passages from this psalm, or a passage from this psalm, was quoted by Jeremiah, Jonah, and Jesus. See if you can uh, pick out one of Jesus' famous last words. Let's dig in. Psalm 31 for the choir director, a Psalm of David. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen many troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. Let me read that again. That's verse seven. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. See, God sees everything. He knows everything. Verse eight. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but have set me in a safe place. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I have ignored as if I were dead as if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me. I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I'm trusting you, Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. Let the wicked be disgraced. Let them lie silent in the grave, or Sheol. 
silence their lying lips, those proud and arrogant lips that, that accuse the godly. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. That is Psalm 31. So here are some standout verses in that one. But in case you didn't get it, it was verse five that Jesus cried out moments before he died. And we find that in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. They were part of the seven last words that Jesus uttered on the cross when he surrendered his life for our sin and shame. And if you don't know what all those seven last words were, click on over to my blog and I've got a blog post on that. Well, Pastor Sandy Adams comments, yet these are also appropriate words for us to pray. On the cross, God purchased our lives. Thus, it's fitting that we continually place back into God's hands what belongs to him. He asked him to protect his investment. Worthless idols. Well, furthermore, verse six is important. And quoting Psalm 31, verse six, I hate those who worship worthless idols. Well, I don't like using the word hate. I even looked up this passage in other versions and it was the same. Idolatry is a major problem in our world today, just as much as it was in David's time. He wanted God to be clear that he was not like the pagan nations which surrounded Israel. Note his next line is, I trust in the Lord. In other words, praying to statues or paintings of dead people, Mary and the saints is pure idolatry. Like David says, they are worthless. A piece of stone or wood cannot do anything for you. When you trust in Jesus only, you can blurt out all your problems, scream to God about your enemies, pains, trials, addictions, illnesses, griefs, hurts, and tribulations. David felt like a broken pot. A broken vessel is useless. He felt depressed. Imagine that, King David feeling useless. Well, your future is in his hands. In the next verses, David's tone changes from desperation to hope. He declares that God holds his future in his hands. In the same way, God holds your future in his hands. David asks for favor. He asks not to be disgraced. He genuinely cries out for help. That, my friend, is humility. And that's the problem we have. Pride gets in the way. And that's coming to the realization that you can't do it all yourself. That is pride, thinking, oh, I don't need help. I can manage this. I'm strong enough to do this. I can do it all. No, you can't. 
You need God's help, strength, wisdom, and guidance to get you through every day, every day. And God hears our cries for mercy. Be strong and courageous. I love these last these last two lines. In Psalm 31, verse, uh, verses 23 and 24, love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. Him, right, him. But he harshly punishes the arrogant or the prideful. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Well, that last passage reminded me of Paul's advice to Timothy, Timothy in the last letter he ever wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. His appearing, his return, his rapture. If it wasn't for trusting in him, for that confident hope, we would never be able to survive this horrible, evil world. The folks at Spoken Gospel sum it all up nicely, and this is the gospel. And I quote, the threat of public shaming still thrives in our churches, news outlets, and lives. People are canceled and careers are tanked for both justified and unjustified reasons. Social media and secretly saved texts are used as leverage against us, whether we're in middle schools or sit in boardrooms. On top of the threat of public shame, our own conscience and our spiritual accuser, Satan, shames us too. That's what I was talking about in the beginning. When these accusations pile up and grow louder, it's easy to think God has abandoned us. But Jesus conquered our shame when he died on the cross. He even quoted this psalm before he died, Luke 23, 46. And by doing so, he brought the full weight of God's shame-canceling power to bear at the moment of his death. Like David, Jesus was publicly shamed and maligned and condemned. Though he was guiltless, he publicly suffered as if he was guilty. Like David, those around Jesus equated his suffering with God's rejection. But Jesus knew God saw his affliction and would be his vindicating shelter. When Jesus rises from the dead, he answers David's prayer in a way David couldn't imagine. Not even Jesus' death at his enemy's hand would prevent the vindication of his name for public shame. Just as his humiliation was public, so Jesus' resurrection publicly silenced the accusations of his enemies. If you trust in Jesus, you can be confident that the stigma of your shame will be removed. When we commit our spirit into Jesus's capable hands, he promises that we will be raised as he was. No shame, ridicule, lie, or condemnation will ever stick to us because our identity is hidden in the strong fortress of Jesus's honor and goodness. Just as publicly as we have been shamed, Jesus promises to publicly shame our enemies and honor us in front of them all. 
May the Holy Spirit open your eyes to see the God whose hands are trustworthy to carry us through our shame. And may you see Jesus as the one who took our shame on the cross and rose to give us his honor. Again, that's um, from Spoken Gospel. And that's the point. Jesus didn't carry all of our sin and shame on the cross so that we could have religion. No, he took away our sins and shame so that he could have a personal relationship with you. Yes, you. And he told us in Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He wants to be your friend. Okay, he is the living God. He wants to be your friend. He wants a relationship with you. And Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Isn't it about time you let him in? So invite Jesus into your heart, into your life. Surrender your life to him. Receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to know Jesus. In the bottom of today's blog, I embedded three worship song videos, which were very appropriate. One's trading in my sorrows, trading my sorrows. Another one is a new one I heard today at church. It's Where I'm Standing Now by Phil Wickham. And it's perfect. It was, I heard it. I was, oh, this is perfect for today's, today's lesson. And then another one, Hello, My Name Is by uh, Matthew West. And that's exactly it. Okay. We, we are redeemed. We are saved. We are children of God. Uh, and it's a, it's a feeling, it's a joy that's um, inexplicable, a peace that's indescribable until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Christmas is a fun time for parties and get-togethers with family and friends. If you're a born-again Christian, did you know that you have a mission field in your backyard with Catholic neighbors, friends, and family members? I'm Giselle Aguiar, and I was born in Puerto Rico and raised Catholic. Now I'm a born-again Bible teacher reaching out to Roman Catholics who don't know the good news of Jesus' gift of grace. Have you ever wanted to start a conversation about the true salvation of Jesus with one of your Catholic friends or family members, but just didn't know how? Maybe you hesitated because you didn't want to create animosity or start a battle. Well, that happened to me and I missed my chance to tell my cousin the truth and unfortunately he passed away and I don't know if I'll see him in heaven. That's why I wrote the ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Your Backyards, and I'm giving it away for free. It's a guide to help you born-again believers start that crucial talk with a Catholic person in your life. Now's the perfect time to bring it up before it's too late. Check it out. It's free. now open my Christian Book Distributors Affiliate Bookstore. These hand-picked books cover Bible prophecy, Christian apologetics, worldview, and much more. Many are at discount prices. Isn't it time you got your Christian books from a Christian bookstore? Click on the link in the show notes.
Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.